there, you're just singing and worshipping and praising. Uh, but you know, what David's got to bring is just as much worship as what we've done here now. And us listening to it and responding to it is just as much worship as us singing up there. And uh, just before I come, uh, when I read the notices, which is also worship, but it's, um, I, I skip through and there's a few things I've missed. But one of the things that I've missed that I really didn't mean to is, is uh, the ladies' ten-pin bowling. If anybody fancies joining Hazel for some fun with some ten-pin bowling, speak, just give us, give us a wave, Hazel. Just have a speak to Hazel after. And uh, Hazel's great. She just organises so many social things. And it's for the glory of God. And it's so everyone can enjoy it. Does that feel Pardon? Does that feel, feel guilty? No, I don't feel guilty, me, no. <laughs> the Lord forgives me if you don't. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're just going to uh, come and pray for David. But, yeah, if you want to speak to Hazel about that, that'd be great. Because it'd be a great opportunity. Yeah. If the kids want to go out to Powerhouse, now's the time to go just before we pray. Let's just pray for him. Lord, we just thank you for David. Thank you that he genuinely loves you with all his heart. And he just wants to do your will in his life. So Lord God, I just pray that that is exactly what he does this morning. That he just speaks your will and your heart for us, Lord God. And that we as your people respond to that in your name. Amen. Thanks a lot. Uh, I'm going to overwhelm you with a PowerPoint this morning, which, although I make a lot of the PowerPoints we see, I don't often use one, so it's going to be a disaster, because I haven't written in my notes who are going to use it. Um, It's 2016, and I suddenly feel old. Um, I don't know about you, I know lots of people in this room are older than me, I rejoice at that, um, because it could be worse for me, couldn't it? But I don't know what you think about when it's 2016, maybe you've got a special birthday, this year. Maybe you've got a special event. Maybe there's a, um, like your children might be getting married, or maybe you're just getting to that age where you can learn to drive. Maybe you're getting to that age where you can get on the bus for free. Um, that, you know, maybe you're getting to that age where you can retire. Um, there's all kinds of things, aren't there, that could be uh, put across with 2016. It might be a really significant year for you. You might be getting married, you might be um, expecting a baby. It could be all kinds of things, but with um, 2016 as well, there might be loads of negatives for you. You know, it might be the year that actually, you know, it's the anniversary of your, your husband's death or something. It might be a year that you're dreading. It might be a year that you think, you know what, this is really difficult. But as a church this year, um, we don't believe that 2016 is just another year. I think some of us might become apathetic a little bit to life and just think, well, it's 2016, just another year older. Uh, I don't really bother with that. A year goes much quicker. I know when I was younger, a year seemed like an absolute age. And now uh, you blink and you miss it, don't you? I mean, we're in February. We're going to be in March soon. And I'm still kind of working out that we've you know, got to write 2016 when you're writing things. Um, 
But as a church, we're really excited about 2016. And the reason we're really excited is we believe that God's given us some goals. And those goals are on a board over there. Those goals come up before the service uh, on the PowerPoint, on the screen. There are cards over there that have our goals on them. And the reason we've got these goals is because we believe that God has put them on our heart. We believe that what God is saying to us as a church for 2016 is that those things on that piece of paper. But there is a huge step between where it says and where we are. And to make that step, we need each and every one of you. We're going to do it together. The thing that's so special about church is every one of us has a part to play. It's not about me, it's not about my parents, it's not about Ronnie, it's not about Ruth or Sue, it's not about any of these people, it's about us collectively doing something together. The way we are going to see this world changed is by people seeing something different here. And what is different here is that Jesus unites all. And that's what we, we want to do this year, is we want to show people Jesus. But we, the best way we can do that is each and every one of us together. And so when you get opportunities like Ronnie's given the men or Hazel's given the women, I want to encourage you to invite some of your friends. We're just going for curry. I mean, if you're really embarrassed about some of the other men, make sure you get there early and get to the other end of the table so they don't get near them. But just make sure you invite them because we have an amazing truth to tell these people. Jesus has changed our lives, and we want to share that with people. And um, what, we're gonna, what we really believe, like the slogan is for this year, is going for growth. And I don't know about you when you hear this word growth, or when you hear the slogan like going for growth. I don't know what your first expectation is. And so I just want to give you literally one minute to turn to someone near you and just to say what you think of when you went there. The only condition with this is you have to be really honest. So if you feel like, oh, what do you think, what's your, when we hear that word, what's your response? It's just business speak, then say that. We need you to be honest this morning. If we're not honest with each other, we're never going to do anything, are we? As a family, we need to, to share in that honesty. So just want to give you one minute, turn to someone near you, and just to ask that question. What do you, what does the word growth mean to you, or go for growth, or going for growth? Okay, enough of your talking. I will talk now. Um, so, I don't know about you. Uh, I can give, I'm going to be really honest and give you some of my answers. But there is a, I'm going to, when I tell you some of the things that came to my head, if you agree with it, um, we're going to stamp our feet. Now, this is very childish. You have to realise I do a lot of things with young people and this works really well. But with us older people that are a bit reserved, it doesn't really work. So let's just practice. Let's all just stamp our feet. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. That's almost noisy. Um, so 
Okay, one of the things that came to my head when I think about going for growth is this whole thing of business speak. So if you agree and you think it's just one of those kind of uh, marketing slogans or it's just some of that management speak like giving 110% or um, yeah, getting boots on the ground. I mean, what do these things even mean? Um, if you think that, then you can stamp your feet now. Some honest people, I enjoy that. If you just like David Brent, just take a moment to appreciate that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One of the other things, the American dream, isn't it? Like, America have ruined everything. Literally, it's like, you've got something, it's quite good. Oh, no, we've got a new version, and new is better. New is better. This American dream that we're just going to always better ourselves. Uh, if you ever thought of something like that, you can stamp your feet now. If you didn't, that's fine. <laughs> My mind is different. Uh, if you thought about plants growing, you can bang your feet now. A few of you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Babies to adults, like the human growth cycle. If you thought that was something, yeah, you can bang your feet now. Again, Paul Walker. Um, if you thought about adverts, it's like a bit of a slogan, like growth, like one of those things, bigger is better, anyone like that? Again, I just have a different mind, obviously. <laughs> or if you thought about profit. I know in business, when they talk about growth, really the hard line of what they're talking about is making more money. And, uh, you know, they can jazz it up whichever way they want, but really what it matters is how much money that company makes. And that's what that's about. Um, and uh, what I'm going to... I just want to say right at the outset, we're going to spend about five or six uh, different Sundays looking at growth. And what we're going to look at is different elements of growth. And this morning I'm going to unpack kind of this heart to grow. And then we're going to move on and we're going to look at moving from the assurance we have in Jesus to actually living a life full of purpose. Uh, and then we're going to look at how do we grow. Uh, so my mum's going to speak about ingredients for growth, this practicality of how do we take something that's pie in the sky and make it a reality. And then uh, we're going to spend some other weeks doing some other things. I wrote the series and I've forgotten them. So uh, there is a sheet that's out, but there's loads of things we're going to look at about growth. And the reason we're doing this is not because we thought it was a nice thing to do, but because we really felt that these things were what God put on our heart as a church. And so we want to be obedient in doing that. And so uh, it's not a time to get cynical. It's a time to really listen. But we want to be honest with each other this morning. And um, I've really started to ask myself this question. What is growth? Is, this, is growth any of those things we've named? I'm sure you thought of different things. Is growth just a good idea? Is growth just part of the world that we live in? And um, I want to just kind of look at what the Bible says about growth. What's God, what can the Bible reveal to us about growth this morning? And um, right at the beginning of the Bible, the very first words that we see in it, in Genesis 1, read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Just put your hand up if you've ever heard that before. Timothy, you have. Yeah, I see you, even at the back. Um, and um, so we see right at the beginning, the first account that we hear in the Bible, first thing we hear about God is that he created the heavens and the earth. The opening words, in the beginning, God created. I just want to ask you a question there. What that doesn't tell us is in, it doesn't say in the beginning of what? It just says in the beginning. God created. It doesn't answer that question of what was in the beginning of. But what we do know is that this God was around before this. God has no end. He has no beginning. Got that the wrong way around, didn't I? He's got no beginning. He's got no end. And so God, at some point in his period of life or whatever, in God's, God, some point in history, decided to create the heavens and the earth. And I just want to stop there. We often read that and we think, oh, great. Why? 
Why bother to do that? God was fine existing on his own. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need the world. But yet he chose to create the world. And um, it's something about that, isn't there, that's incredible to me. God chose to make the universe. He took a moment from his day. In fact, we believe it was seven days. And he, he took a moment and he created something. He took a moment of his time to make something. And in 1925... Yes, I got it right. Edward Hubble, uh, who I think the Hubble telescope's named after, but that's irrelevant, uh, discovered this thing, which was that actually the universe is always expanding. So God created something that didn't just, wasn't as big as it is now then, it continues to expand. It continues to grow. The universe is enormous and it continues to grow. And we see that God, when he made something, he didn't make something that just was perfect and done and end. He made something that continued to grow. And so God's heart for growth, the first thing we're learning about that is actually that God made something that grew. He didn't create the earth and uh, he didn't create the universe and say that's the end of the universe, that's the beginning. He made something that expanded. And expanded. You see, there's something about there that we can learn, isn't there? In Genesis, we move on with that creation story. In Genesis 3, uh, God takes the deep, it says, God looked on the earth and it was deep waters and darkness. And God takes that, and the first thing he says then is, Let there be light. So God creates light. What's really interesting about that is, he creates the sun a couple of verses later, according to the, the Bible passage. But he, in fact, a couple of days later, uh, the sun's like day three, and yet he creates light. That's the first thing he's done once he's created the heavens and the earth. Once he's created the universe, God creates light. And it's not necessarily the sun, because we hear that he creates the sun later. So he creates a source of light. And I don't, um, I don't know much about science I am not going to pretend to know a lot about science. Uh, Becky knows loads and people like Keith, and that's great. But um, one of the few things I remember from science, I can get to about year five at school with science. And uh, we did this project where you got all these kind of seedlings and you put them in uh, plant pots. And then you kind of, one of them got all of the conditions you needed to grow. So it got light and water and all these other things that you need to grow a plant. I don't know anything about plants. Um, and then other, others of them didn't get certain ones of those things, and we saw how they grew. And one of the plants, we put it in the basement at Mytham School, and so it didn't get any light at all, and then we pulled it out. It got fed, they went down and watered it, it had plenty of water, but it didn't have light. And about a week later, the plant was dead, because it didn't have light. In fact, I don't know a lot about plants. Alex uh, did biology at A-level and laughs at my lack of knowledge about biology. Um, but one of the things she assures me is true is my understanding of basic photosynthesis, which I can understand without saying properly. Um, but photosynthesis is this thing where plants use light to make food. That's the basic understanding of it. And so the light brings life to these plants. Without light, things like plants can't grow. So God creates something that can... Uh, God creates light which can help things grow. One of the things we learn about God, one of the first things he does is he makes light. And that isn't so that things are there. He makes it so that there is an, a, an environment for growth. And so we learn that about God, doesn't he? The very first thing that he, we hear he creates, let there be light. 
One of the amazing things about the world to me is that we live in a world where things grow. And right in the beginning of Genesis, we see this account of creation and we see the things that God made. And in Genesis 1, 6 to 10, we hear all about the environment that God creates. And I want to encourage you this week to spend some time just reading those verses. And we see that God makes this environment that things can grow in. And that's what God does. He makes a garden. He separates the water from the land so that there is an ability for things to grow on the land and things to go in the water. And in Genesis... So Genesis 6 to 10, we learn all about that. And I want to suggest to you this morning that God's heart is a heart that everything grows. God's heart is a heart for growth. And I think we can see this in how he's made us. Who here looks like they do now in height, in stature, in strength the day they were born? Just raise your hand. I mean, has anyone ever thought about that? Like, actually, we didn't just come out of, you know, day one. I'm not going to talk about the practicalities of it because God could do that. He, he can do anything, can't he? But day one, we weren't just born to look like this. You know, actually, apart from he's not here, so he's not able to, to witness to that. But, you know, God doesn't make us as a fully formed human, does he? He made us as a baby. And we go on this journey of growth through life. Dependency, don't we? And if you want to grow as a baby, it's very different to if you want to grow as a man or a woman. Um, And it's very interesting, isn't it? God creates us in this cycle, this process of growth, that we're going to get bigger, that we're going to get stronger, that we're going to learn more, that eventually we're going to get older. And um, that's the creation that God makes for us. And you see that in the plants and the animals. And again, in that account in Genesis, in verse 11, God says this, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And so it was, verse 12, the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. You see, in verse 11, what we see is God creates things. He creates vegetation. And one of the things that's amazing about vegetation is it has the ability to reproduce. It has the ability to go beyond itself. Things have seeds in them, don't they? Fruit, you open it up. I'm told, don't eat a lot of it, but I'm told you open it up, it's full of seeds. And those seeds have the potential to grow into something new, to reproduce. You see, God didn't, these things aren't here by accident. God imagined them. God created them. God did these things. God, these are God's ideas. And it's all about growth. It's all about going beyond themselves. In verse 11, we see such a great picture of that. He creates it. And he says about this vegetation. He says about it all. He says, um, let them produce, let's let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it. You know, God did that. It was God's idea that they would go beyond themselves. And, you know, we continue, don't we, in verse 22. God blessed the land and he said to it, Be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the water in the seas. Let the birds increase on the earth. So God creates and then he says to the things he's created, Go and create more. Go and grow. Go and grow. You see, growth isn't a concept with dreamt up. It isn't business speak. It isn't a modern idea. It isn't something that we just want. It's part of who God is. It's part of who God has made us to be. God does not want us to stay as we are. In any level of life, God 
idea was growth. And if you want to, you know, if you're really struggling with this, I can give you so much. I've read so much about this this week from the Bible. Not from clever books, just from the book. And you can see so much about what God's heart is for growth. And in verse 15, Jesus continues that in John 15, sorry. He says, I am the, I am the vine and you are the, van, the branches. You see, Jesus tells them he's this vine. He compares himself to a growing vine. And he says, you're the branches. And then he tells us something incredible about God. He tells us that God is a gardener. And so we see right in the beginning of Genesis, there's a garden, paradise, Garden of Eden, and God walks with Adam in this garden. God's a gardener with Adam. And in, I want to suggest to you this morning that paradise was this amazing place where things could grow. It was a growth environment. It was the greatest environment for growth because God walked with man. And the secret to growth is walking with God. And then God, Jesus comes back and he says here in John 15, I'm the vine and you're the branches and my father is the gardener. And what Jesus is saying is if you're connected to the vine, you can grow. You can grow. And so what he's saying is the heart for the Christian is that we grow. The heart for the church is that we grow. It isn't modern idea. It isn't about chasing the book. It does mean change. It's not about us trying to be like anywhere else. But it's about us trying to grow. The thing about growth is, growth is organic. Growth happens differently to different people. Me and John were brought up in the same environment. We were brought up in the same house, to the same parents, to the same food, three years apart. And yet we are different. We have different, you know, I have different DNA and all of that, but we have grown differently. You know, John's very musical and I'm not. You know, John can do these, John's obsessed with statistics and I couldn't give a hoot about them. You know, we're very different, but we've been in that environment where we're able to grow. And growth is organic. So as a church and as individuals, as we grow, that's going to look different. This church is not going to become a clone of any other church. We want to follow what God wants for us. And you know, there are things we can borrow from other churches because God has put them there and we can learn them. And that's some of what these guys have been doing this week, learning about moving in the Holy Spirit in a really normal way. But ultimately, we would just want to grow in what God's got for us, whatever that looks like. And that will be organic. And God's heart is that we grow. And the key to that, in those passages in John 15, he says, uh, yes, I am the true vine. You are the branches. Remain in me and you will bear fruit. Remain in me. You see, if you're a branch and you're disconnected from the vine, you ain't going to grow. And so I remember when I was in year three or four, we went down to Crompton Lodges, we went down to Moses Gate with school, and we had to do the leaf identifying day. I don't know if anyone knows what I'm talking about, but basically you had to go and you got given a piece of paper with lots of different leaves, shapes on, and you had to identify the trees from it. And so we went along and we looked and, oh, that one is oak because it's got a five leaf uh, leaf. Or this one is bark or whatever else. And people went and did it and you coloured the pictures in. And if you could get inside the lines, you were good. But I couldn't. And there was a lad and he picked up this branch off the floor. And he said to the teacher, I'm going to take this branch home, miss. And I'm going to make this thing grow. And a week later, this branch, she said, okay, bring the branch back in. And a week later, he came back in with this branch that had been full of leaves. 
and everything was dead because the branch was not connected. You see, when the, we are just branches, the secret to bearing fruit, the secret to growing is being connected to the vine, remaining in God. And you see, if we want to grow, the key to growth is not good ideas. The key to growth is not to wake up and say, we're going to do this. The key to growth is remaining in God. The key to growth is digging deep into Jesus. If we want to grow as a church, we are going to have to do some practical things. But the heart of those things is going to be we're going to dig deeper as a church. And that's why one of our things is about praying. We want 70 people at the prayer meeting. Nobody's going to hear about that statistic. We don't put it online. We don't go and tell other churches. We're doing it because we know that if we want to grow, we need to press into God. And so that's why we want people to come to the prayer meeting. That is literally our agenda. I've told it you right there. That's why. Because we want to see something happen and we want to remain in God. Um, Jesus tells us it's our heart to grow. And what's really key about that in John 15, again, I haven't got time to read it this morning, but if you go home and read that, what does he say about the thing, about the gardener? He says he cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. That's a scary thing, isn't it? Jesus tells us that we're the branches, but he says if we don't bear fruit, the gardener cuts the branch off. It's really interesting. But I think when we put it in the context, it can seem scary. But the context of what he's saying is, the way to grow is to remain. You see, the emphasis isn't on you and me. It's about staying in God. So if you put yourself in the right place, if you keep working at your relationship with God, he isn't going to cut you off at all. You're going to grow. You don't have to get upset about it. You don't have to worry about it. You will grow naturally when you pursue the things of God. You will grow naturally when you spend time with him. Uh, And I'm not going to talk much more about that because obviously my mum's got lots of things to tell us about how to grow. Um, But it is that key about remaining. Jesus tells us that his heart for us is to grow. And the key thing as well, when the gardener, what happens when we produce fruit? That passage tells us the gardener says he, God prunes those that produce fruit. Why? To produce more fruit. God's heart for growth. It's never being satisfied. It's about You've made some fruit. Let, oh, that, whether, what would we do as humans when we've done something good? We go, come and look at it. Look what I've done. Isn't it great? Look at this. Done it. I did that. And then actually, we realize that, you know, what happens then is we get old. And people say, oh, and you say, it loses its, um, it loses its sting, doesn't it, when you say, look at this that I built. When did you build that? 1954. What year is it now? 2016. What have you been doing since? Well, showing people. Look what I did. God's heart isn't for that. God's heart is that as we grow, he prunes us and we grow again. It's that we continue to produce fruit on fruit, on fruit, on fruit. Do you want to put it in another way? It's that we go from one degree of glory to another. That's what God's heart is, that we keep growing and growing and growing. And in 1 Peter verse 2, um, it's an incredible verse, but it tells us to crave spiritual milk. That we might grow up in our salvation. You see, when we start as Christians with this new creation, again, it's a process. We start as babies, don't we? If you've just become a Christian, or you've not been a Christian very long, like where you will be as a Christian, you'll be quite spiritually, you'll be quite young, or you could be. But God doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to grow up in him. And the way that you do that is to, to, Peter tells us, to crave spiritual milk. You know, that isn't just a case of saying, oh, there's some milk there, I'll take it. To crave it, to look for it, to make sure we spend time with God. Make sure we set time in our day 
to do it. I felt really challenged this week. I have found time to watch um, two series of House of Cards in the last year. That's not a lot, I would say, but I've spent time to do that. But how much better would that time have been spent with God? And I've just felt like, do I make that a priority in my life? And if I want to continue to grow, I need to crave that spiritual milk. I need to crave spending time with God. I need to seek it out and to do it. And just as I said at the beginning, how do you make a baby grow? You give them milk. But if you and me just lived off milk, we wouldn't grow, would we? Because as you get older, you need more. You need more than just that milk. If you want to get big now, I think I've got a very nice picture. If you want to get as big as The Rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson, then how do you do it? Well, you have to go to the gym. You have to work out. But you also have to eat right. And some of those things that you see people eat is like an entire chicken. Now, if you gave an entire chicken to a baby, it could kill them, couldn't it? They might choke on it. You know, they're not ready to eat that. And yet, it's the same with God, isn't it? He wants to take us. He wants to cause us to grow. And so for some of us, maybe we struggle in the area of prayer. And I just want to speak into this this morning. If you struggle with something, if there's an area of your life you struggle with, maybe it's prayer, maybe it's reading your Bible, maybe it's worship, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's just even acknowledging that God's there. Set yourself achievable goals. If you struggle to pray, don't say, by the end of next week, I'm going to be up all night for 24 hours praying out loud in English and in another language, and I'm going to do all of that because I am going to do this. It's not realistic. You might have a good heart with that, but it's not realistic. If you want to grow in prayer, say, do you know what? I'm going to pray three words tonight, God. But then tomorrow I'm going to pray three more. You've got to set realistic goals. We've got to realize that we are babies and it's all about that process of growth. God is looking for pros- for, to take us on that journey. It's not from this to that. It's about a process of growth and to crave for that spiritual milk. When I was writing this this week, I had a huge sense that God wanted to challenge us about growth. And for some of us, I really sense that God had, just wants to say in a really nice way that some of us, we've stopped growing. We're quite happy where we are. We've been a Christian a while. Um, I've been a Christian quite a while as well. And uh, it can be difficult, isn't it? You just go through the motions. But I just want to convict us again afresh, just that if we're connected to that vine, if we remain in God, we should be looking for growth. We should be looking for new things in our lives. We should be looking to be stretched. We don't want to be the same in 12 months' time. Do you know I have problems? I have things that I struggle with, and I don't want to be in that situation in 12 months' time. We were praying, uh, we were worshipping this morning, and I just, uh, I'm not a person who particularly cries a lot, but I really felt myself cry. And one of the things that I felt God say was, um, we're looking at growth, and I've been seeking God about growth all week. And, um, and for weeks before, as we wrote this series, and just like God to bring it up this morning as we were worshipping, um, as a church, I really feel this might be something prophetic for us, but just that actually, you know, as a church, we have experienced a lot of growth in the wrong way over the last several years. We've experienced a lot of people who've had cancer in this church. We've experienced a lot of growths that we don't want. And I really sense that God was going to say that this year we're going to experience growth in him, that we're not going to be known as that church where people get cancer. We're not going to be that place where it's full of people who have growths. We're going to be that place where we grow in Jesus. That we're going to be a place that grows numerically and deep. 
You know, one of the things, the hearts, heart, one of the myths that you will hear is that large churches are shallow and that small churches are deep. It's a load of nonsense. Like, we are what we are as a church. You know, as we grow as a church, we'll be deep as long as we make ourselves deep. And we'll be shallow if we choose to be shallow. And small churches use that as an excuse to why they're not big. Well, we don't like big churches. It's shallow. It's rubbish. We don't want to steal people from other churches. We want to reach people for Jesus. And if you think you have a problem with that, I really want you to read the Bible. I'm sorry. It's the most judgmental thing I've ever said from here. But it's true. God's heart is for more than us. It's to reach out. And it's going to look messy. And it's going to be difficult. But we want to grow. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to tell this story and then I'm going to finish. I've got loads more, but time's gone. Um, there's a story, uh, a guy from London, uh, he was at university years ago. And he was with, uh, before he was at university, he was uh, 16 at home. And he went into the local shopping centre and there was a car there. And it said, win this car. Has anyone seen those kind of things? You can win this car. And so he filled in one of these forms, but you had to be 18 to fill it in. But he just lied about his age. And then it ca- he put it in his brother's name. And when it came back, he got a thing and it said, you've won. So he thought, oh, I've won. Won this holiday. So he took it home to his parents and he said, I've won this holiday. But to win this holiday, they had to go to an event to learn about the holiday. You had to be 18. He wasn't 18. So he said to his dad, can you come in my place because you're 18 and I'm not? And so his dad went. And he, you know, the son got really excited, sat at home, waiting for his mum and dad to come back. And they came back and they said, son, it's a con. I've read the small print. What, they, what it says in there is that it's not a free holiday. They want you to buy a timeshare. And when you buy a timeshare, it's just all of your money. And they asked me to leave because I told everyone else there it was a con. And so he said, and this was the key thing he said to him, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And the son took that on board and he believed it. And he said, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And when he was 17, he was at university. So 18, he was at university and he was with his girlfriend. And she was walking down the street and she got a telephone call. And this lady said, you you entered a competition. You've been selected and you've won a free holiday. And the guy turned to her and he said, she was really excited. And she told her boyfriend and he said, oh, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And he told her about his story. And then she went to check it out. And it turns out she had won a holiday. And he was like... Well, I've read the small print. It says we're all inclusive, but when you read the small print, we're not. We have to pay for everything when we get there. So they went to this country, and they didn't have much money because they were students. So they ended up having pot noodles every night because they couldn't afford it. They were in this lovely hotel. They had the sun, but they had pot noodles. And then the last night, the woman turned to him, as only a woman would, and said, there's no way we're having pot noodles tonight. I don't care how much it costs you, we are going out for food. We're going to the hotel restaurant. And so the man, being a man, said, okay. Uh, so they went, and uh, they went to this hotel restaurant. And as they went in, they sat down at the table. And uh, he, they ordered their food, and they ordered one drink each. And then she was desperate for another drink, and he said, I don't think we've got enough money. I'll go and check with the waiter. So he went up to the waiter, and he said... Can I just, I'm from table six, can you tell me how much my bill's come to? Because it's our last night and I haven't really got the money. You know, I've only, I'm on a budget and I need to know how much it's going to cost. And so the guy said, not a problem. And he tilled it up and he turned to him and he said, so how much is the bill? And he said, zero, sir. And he said, what do you mean? We've had lobster, we've had this, we've had that, we've had the other. And he said, no, your bill is zero. Sir, you're in all-inclusive. 
everything that is available here, you could have had for free. You can eat at any of the six restaurants. You can have this, you can have this, you can have the other. And this guy said he felt just absolutely stupid because that's how he'd been. And then he said this, and this is the bit that got me. So many of us have become like that with God. Our past disappointments mean that we limit what he wants to do in the future. We turn around and we say, he can't use me because I've done this. We turn around and we say, I got excited about church years ago and it bit me in the bum. I ain't getting involved in it again. People hurt me. Do you know, don't limit what God can do. God says, everything I have is yours. You're all inclusive. It's not for a few, it's for all of us. And so this morning, I just want to, we're just going to, we've not got much time, but I don't even care. Let's just stand. Um, We're just going to welcome the Holy Spirit and we're just going to see if he wants to do anything this morning. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We just want to say, Lord, that you are the reason we're here this morning. Come and have your way amongst us.